Good morning, Boker Tov, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Living with Amuna. Ah, good morning, good morning. Welcome. Wonderful to always see everyone's faces online, offline. Better offline if you could be here in person than online. Better online than not at all. But it's great to be together and to uh, work collectively on our Living with Amuna, to mechazek, to strengthen one another, to remind ourselves of what should be the most obvious and the most straightforward and the most simple, which is to know that Hashem is here. I've shared with you before, we've learned before, the insight of Rabbi Hanan Wassam and who wonders, how could it be that a child turns bar mitzvah or bas mitzvah, a boy turns 12 or 13, they're obligated in all of mitzvahs and among them to believe in Hashem? How could it be? How could it be? Rabbi Hanan actually writes, he says, Aristotle, the great philosopher, debated, he deliberated, he doubted, he wondered. Adults struggle a whole lifetime of trying to figure it out. And this little pizzola, this little pisher, this little kid turns 12 or 13, you're obligated to mitzvahs, including knowing that there's a Hashem. How could it be? So Rabbi says, because you understand it all wrong. You think, I'm going to get to the sponsor. What, uh, this just struck me, so I had to unload it. He says, you think that Amuna or Bitochon is something you have to learn, that you have to gain, that you have to add, that we're born, the default is, we don't know, we don't believe, we're a blank slate. And now we have to take that leap of faith. And how could a child, 12 or 13, take the leap when adults struggle? How could it be a legitimate question? He says, because you got the assumption all wrong. You're mistaken. It's not that we're born, the default is, we don't know, jury's out. We're born from the moment we're born, it's obvious that there's a creator. We're born and a little child knows I have a mommy and I have a daddy, I have a mommy and an Abba, an Ima and an Abba. And just like I have parents and they have parents and they have parents, so it goes all the way back and there's a father in heaven. And the child looks around this world and says, all these things I have that work and that function and who I am. So clearly, clearly there's a creator. So what happens, says Rabbi Hanan? What happens, where did that go? If that's the default and that's what's obvious, that's what's simple, that's how we are pre-programmed, then what happened? And the answer is life gets in the way and layers of doubt and cynicism get in the way. And the older we get, the more hardened we get, the more cynical we get, the more doubtful we feel because people disappoint us and the world disappoints us and life disappoints us. And people who were supposed to be role models and embody a life of emuna are hypocritical and duplicitous and disappoint us. And so it undoes and unravels and dissolves the sense of emuna that we innately and intuitively have to start. So Rav Hanan concludes and he says, he says, you know what the, the job of parents is? He says the jobs of parents is, don't mess it up. Your kid is going to be born with emuna. Whether you talk about it or not, your kid's going to feel there's a Hashem. No kid is ever, when you say Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere, where a yarmulke, where a tzitzis, you're up sharing, a little girl, a little boy, whatever young age you start to talk about and engage and thank, and on putting them to bed, you say Shema. They've never said, well, how do you know he's there? And I don't really believe he's there. And I have some questions and concerns and doubts. They never say that. They say, oh, yeah, of course he's there. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Hashem. Hashem, please make my mommy or my sabr, my bubby or zedi better. They never question, they never doubt. So where does that doubt come from? Our Shabbos tables. Where does that doubt come from? It comes from our dinner table. It comes from our reaction to things. It comes from they're seeing us. Says Rav Hanan, don't mess it up. So when they come 12 or 13, they don't have to learn or take a leap. You simply have to, by 12 or 13, you have to have not messed it up. By 12 or 13, don't erase it, don't introduce doubt. Anyway, why did I say all that even before we began? 
Because I said, we get together to remind ourselves what is so obvious every Wednesday morning, most Wednesday mornings, we try on Wednesday mornings, to live with Amuna. Why do we need it? I, I just, I've said this also countless times. I say the same thing every week. I don't know how you're here, why you're here. I know why I'm here, because I still need to hear it. And that's the free coffee. That's why I'm here too. That's why I'm here too, the coffee. But I, I know why I'm here, which is often, not sometimes, often, the more obvious something is, the more important it is, the more easily we forget it, we need to be reminded of it. And so we need to at least once a week, once a day, once an hour, once a minute, remember there's Hashem and He created this world and He loves us and He's good to us and He's kind to us. Sometimes we feel that and sometimes we feel far from Him, but everything happens for a purpose, for a reason. There is order and meaning to the universe. And when we lean on Him and rely on Him and talk to Him and feel His presence, then our life is so much sweeter and so much better and so much calmer and so much more serene and we're so much more capable with confidence in confronting whatever may come our way. And when we erase Him and when our ego gets in the way, the program Ego stands for edging God out. When we edge God out with our ego and then we're filled with arrogance and hubris and honor, we're filled with, with envy and jealousy and we give in to anger. Today's Dafyomi talks about how we sabotage our own lives when we indulge anger. A person flies off the handle with rage, you give in to anger, you ruin your life. We destroy business opportunities and relationships. We destroy family relationships. We live, we destroy our own physical health. Anger is absolutely one of the most pernicious, horrible, evil, wicked, sabotaging, destructive forces in the world. But when you live with Hashem, you have nothing to get angry about because it's just the way it's meant to be. That's what was supposed to happen. That's how it's supposed to turn out. That's what's right for us. So we always feel better when we live with Amuna, and yet we forget to live with Amuna. Anyway, all of that was just to say good morning. Good morning. Amuna series is generously sponsored by Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit and in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. We remain very grateful to the Morgans for their generosity. She was also sponsored this morning by our dear friend, Hensha Gansberg. Hensha is doing phenomenally well, living in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. She's so kind, she continues to listen. I don't know if she's watching live or listening later, but we love you, we miss you, Hensha. And uh, she sponsored this morning in memory of her husband, Svi Hirsch Gansberg. His yurtzad is the 23rd of Cheshvan. And we are so, so grateful for that. I want to remind everyone to join the Amuna WhatsApp group if you're not yet part of it, to get the sheer schedule, know when we're on or off, to be able to find the link, how to listen live or later, for bonus material, extra ideas about Amuna. Join the Amuna WhatsApp group. You can join it at rabbiefromgoldberg.org slash WhatsApp. rabbiefromgoldberg.org slash WhatsApp to join that and all the WhatsApp groups. So, Hensha sent me an email. I'm going back and forth about something, but she writes in the email, and I say this not only because she sponsored the Shear, it is worth repeating in its own merit. So you don't have to pay for me to quote you. Quote you, quote you for free if what you have to say is worth repeating. So she says in the email, she says, um, I've written back to her, hope you're well. Baruch Hashem, I'm thriving. I love Beit Tovei Ha'ir. I'm so grateful to Yocheved for suggesting it to me. With the technology today, I'm able to listen to classes, Amun strength, blah, 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 blah. I want to share an insight I had. You speak about talking to Hashem, which I do every day. Many people have trouble doing this because they don't see Hashem. He's invisible. He doesn't react, responds. You can't see Him, hear Him, feel Him, touch Him, smell Him. So many people struggle. Talking, is anyone listening? Talking, is it going anywhere? I'm talking, nobody's answering. But these same people, says Hensha, use their cell phones and say, Siri. How many, how many of your phones just went off? And Siri responds. 
They use Alexa, and Alexa responds. And they say Hashem, and Hashem also responds. He's there all the time, just like Siri, just like Alexa. When you visit Israel, contact me on my cell, 058, I'm sure I won't give out her cell, although I'm sure she'd love to see all of you and all of us. So is 100% right. We live in a generation, we live at a time more than any other, that we can appreciate and we can understand talking to someone and something you can't see. And it hears and it's listening and it reacts and it responds. And sometimes it doesn't talk back, but yet it answers our request. Sometimes the answer is no, but sometimes the answer is yes and we benefit from it. So we, more than any other, could learn to talk even when you can't see or feel or touch or smell the other side because we know that with confidence that there is someone who is listening. Okay, back to our limud. We've been learning about Ravitcha Meyer, Biyamdurachacha. We're still learning from Pesach and Shavuos about you make katnas and godless. We're almost done with this and then we'll move on to something more cheerful. We'll move on to another text of Emuna and we'll continue to grow together. Maybe one or two more weeks on this. But he's been discussing how do we connect with Hashem? Be me katnas. Me godless, it's easy. When you feel, page uh, Kuf Samachai, 165. When you feel connected and on fire, when you feel His presence with clarity and confidence, it's so easy. Can't wait for the next davening. Shachars is over. I can't wait for Mincha. Can't wait for the next Kumzitz Fabrengen or Oneg. Can't wait for the next Shir. Can't wait for the next Chesed opportunity. Can't wait to tell someone how much you know and trust and believe and talk about Hashem. You can't wait. You can't wait on the one hand. On the other hand, we have Yimei Katnas. Eh, I don't really feel like it. I don't feel like opening the Siddur and davening. I don't really feel like talking to him because I don't feel his presence. Where is he? He hasn't answered my tefillahs or he put me in this difficult place and I feel like he's abandoned me. I'm lost from him. I don't know where he is. I didn't bring it this week. Maybe next week. Yechavid, you'll remind me. Our own Martin Judovitz, Allah Shalom, Tzadik, our Tzadik, Martin Judovitz, a Holocaust survivor. He didn't just live in our community. He designed and built our community. But at the end of his book, at his, at his Mahkamas Matseva, which we uh, had recently, one of his sons read from the end of his book, his memoir, his autobiography, where he explains six or seven or eight reasons why he still believes in Hashem. After losing all of his family and suffering through countless camps and going through the Holocaust and surviving and losing everything and everyone he knew, why does he still believe in Hashem? And I have to, it's like, that's the next text of Amuna we should study together. It's someone we knew, it's someone we watched and we learned from, it's someone who lived in our generation, in our time. And when we have those Yimei Katnas, is there a, is there a greater Yimei Katnas than the Holocaust? The skeletons who stumbled out of the Holocaust, malnourished, beaten, often blinded or injured, the skeletons of people who went through trauma we can't ever imagine. I sometimes think, you know, as a Rav, I deal with and interact with all kinds of challenges and struggles that people have, and they, they pain me and all of us greatly. We daven for those who have them. One illness, the loss of one loved one, one child in distress, the trauma, we have organizations, we write books, we hold conferences, we do research. One illness, the trauma or the, the struggle, or the God forbid, the loss of one child, one, one, one day that you're hungry, you ever travel and there's no kosher food and the airport, you couldn't find anything and epis, your stomach growled a little bit. Okay, you ate 17 candy bars. You did just fine. You found a way how many bags of blue chips you could eat, but you didn't have a proper meal and your stomach growled a little bit and you're traumatized for life because there was one day you couldn't eat, overeat, 
the way we normally do. And you think about a Holocaust survivor, and it's basically all the trauma of the whole generation, the whole community, everyone in it, one survivor went through. They didn't lose one person in their family, they lost their parents, their children, their siblings, their first spouse, they lost their community, their Rebbe, their Yeshiva, their Chavrusas. They went hungry, they ate nothing. They were skeletons, they were malnourished. I don't need to belabor this because we all know and have been exposed to, and many here very closely. And those who lived with Amuna afterwards, they experienced that Yemei Katnas, they experienced that, that period of distance and despair. They experienced every hardship. And I don't say that to make us feel guilty, because we should. God forbid, God forbid, one person goes through one challenge today, they're entitled to go through what they're going through. We don't compare and we don't compete and we don't contrast, and we certainly shouldn't feel guilty because our hardships are hard on us. Everything is relative. I didn't share that so that now people, not only do I have to feel bad about what I'm going through, I have to feel bad about the fact that I feel bad about what I'm going through, because at least it's not the Holocaust. That's not why I said what I said. That's not a healthy reaction or emotion. That's not how we're meant to feel. We should feel bad about whatever challenges that we have and we have to work through. That's not why I share it. I share it only because we can ride their coattails. We can grab onto them. The famous story of the Blue Jabba Rebbe jumping across the canyon, the cliff. I held on to, what did you, I held on to you. You know that story, it's a great story. I held on to, we can hold on to them, those who are still here and we don't have that much longer to in person, live, hold on to them and grab from them and grab onto them everything that we can. But they lived what we're learning, these Yemei Katnas. Was there ever a period in all of history where people were more entitled to feel, where are you? And why are you doing this? And how could you do this? And why am I alone? And why are you answering my, my tefillos? How could it be? And yet, and many, many after wavered. Ravari Libowitz was here this past Shabbos. Fantastic, phenomenal. My dear Chaver, he's younger than I am. I feel terrible about myself every time he comes for Shabbos. When I think about what he accomplishes in a damn year, he gives in this farm, he's written, and the difference that he makes. But we bring him nonetheless, because Jews like to feel bad about themselves. So he, uh, he spoke, he spoke on Friday night about a shadow that he had gotten. We're gonna get into this, I, we're gonna learn. We're gonna get there. You know the routine by now. So he spoke about a shadow that he received from a person who had a baby. And uh, there was a question of whom to name after. And either his grandfather, his wife's grandfather came up and they were gonna name after him a Holocaust survivor who was Shomer Torah Umitzvos. But he saw a video, an interview with this grandfather, with this Holocaust survivor, must have been his wife's grandfather, where he expressed some opinions that were questionable in Hashkafa, that might have violated Ikare Emuna, principles of faith, because he said, he said, I don't believe God did the Holocaust. I don't think God would or could create gas chambers and kapos and Nazis and SS guards and the kind of torture that they did. And I couldn't love God if I believed that he is the one who carried out the Holocaust. So to express that doubt is not everything from Hashem, good and bad, pleasurable and painful, we understand and we can't possibly comprehend, but doesn't somehow it all come from him? And if he doesn't directly carry it out, is it not the result of his withdrawing and hiding his face and allowing the world to work in that way? So this young man wanted to know, should I still name this baby after such a grandfather, who even though he was a survivor, 
And even though he was observant his whole life, and even though he arrived at that belief because he wanted to still love Hashem, and he couldn't love Hashem if he believed Hashem was the one who did it, but maybe that's not compatible with Arikari Yamuna, so maybe I shouldn't name him after an Apikaris. That was the Shaila he received. And that's the shear that he gave on Friday night going through that question. And I'll just fast forward to the answer. So the conclusion was, of course, you could and should still name after him. Who says that's a violation of Ikari Muna? There are even, in fact, opinions. We once gave a Shabbat Shuvah drashas. There's a famous Orachayim HaKadosh and others. There are, and we studied it in our Amuna shir. Maybe it's time to revisit it. We're so many years into it. There's so many new people here who weren't here at the, at the begin with. And maybe it's just worth reviewing it because we've forgotten. But we saw many opinions about how Amuna works. Is Hashem involved in everything? Does Hashem... Rambam, the Rambam Shita, for example, is... The more you believe in him, the more involved he is in your life. And the less you involve him, the less you believe in him, the less you invite him, the more he withdraws and says, okay, good, you're on your own. Hope it works out well. So there is this notion that it's not necessarily every single little detail that does happen is from him. That is one opinion, maybe even the most prevalent opinion, not necessarily so, but it is not the only opinion. It's certainly a man who came to a different conclusion, not as an excuse to abandon Hashem, but as his crutch, what he needed in order to stay close to Hashem, and he certainly could and should name, and even if it wasn't the perfect belief, should you still name, and so on and so forth. But, you know, after the Yimei Katnas, to still live a life of Shmir's mitzvos, to want to love Hashem, so therefore to arrive at conclusions that will allow and enable you to, there were people who walked away, and people who doubted, and we could never ever sit in judgment of them, we can't imagine what they went through, but we can learn from those who still believed and kept close, because we go through our own Yimei Katnas, we go through our own dark days, difficult days. And can we dig deep to find Him in our life nonetheless? So that's what we've been learning about and what we've been studying about, how to do it. One way is tefillah. Rav Meir says, sort of paradoxically, in a very funny way, that one of the ways to do it is talk to Him, ask Him. Say, I don't believe in you, so I'm asking you for help in believing in you. I don't believe in you, so I'm asking you for help to believe in you. Because, you know, Achara Pa'ulos, after our actions, follow our heart. Dress for the job that you want, not the one that you have. You know, if live like you believe and you're going to start believing. You got to start talking to him. It's talking about him and feeling his presence in your life. I had a conversation the other day with someone, a long conversation, a wonderful person who I love who's struggling with this question of Ayinhara, and maybe I don't give Hashem enough credit for the good things I have in my life. So every time someone compliments me, do I have to say, Thank you, but it's really not me, it's him, Baruch Hashem. If I don't say that, and I take credit as if I accept the compliment, is it an affront to Hashem, and therefore a lack of faith in Hashem, and therefore He's not going to give me the good things that He's giving me. There are people who think in this way and have these thoughts, and sometimes they're very healthy, and sometimes they can be unhealthy. But, but this is the Yemei Katnas. So we're on page Kuf Samachai 165, the right-hand column. Tachlis HaKatnas, the bold paragraph. The goal of sometimes when we feel far away is to yearn and want and long to be close again. So in that place of distance, you could either have despair or you could have a desperate longing to reunite. And we ended last week, I mentioned that this, which is true in our relationship with Hashem, is really true in all of our relationships in life. There are friendships that are so broken but yet the friends so miss and long for one another that from that brokenness, they can repair and recover and become closer than ever. There are couples 
where there are challenges and division and divide and disloyalty. But if they recover and repair, they can come closer together than ever. And we, who may have felt further and distant than Hashem, can repair and recover and become closer than ever. We ended last week talking about the bat and gravity. The bat sleeps upside down, so the bat lets go, because the bat can't get lift, and gravity takes the bat down, and the momentum created by falling, when the bat falls, it builds momentum that creates the lift so the bat can fly. And sometimes when we fall, we can fall in our own personal life and conduct and choices we make, we can, in our character, we can fall in our relationship with loved ones, we could fall in our career, we could fall with Hashem. And either the fall can, can compound, and the fall can go further, and you could fall farther, or the fall can create the momentum that becomes the lift that lets you fly, that lets you soar. When I read that article about bats, it changed the whole perspective on life. Don't look to fall. I'm not saying like a bat, you should sleep upside down and let go. Don't look to fall so you can have momentum. Don't create the fall so that you can fly. But if you find yourself falling, become determined to take flight. Use it to take flight. Use it to get lift. Use it to soar higher and higher than you ever have before. Katniss seems and appears like something that sends us further away from Hashem. It's something that that puts an obstacle between us and him. But the truth is that a person does the hard work. A person is committed to soar, to fly. And enters, works hard on this emuna, feels the sense of gratitude and faith in Hashem. So the feeling of distance, that fall, that gravity, it actually memes, it lifts him. Ravichemeyer didn't read the article about bats. He doesn't need to, to come to the same conclusion. Only lowly, pathetic people like me need the metaphor in order to picture where Vitra Meyer understood all along, which is katnus miro memes, which is the same idea. Katnus, when you're falling, miro memes, it can lift you. Use the momentum from the fall in order to fly. How do you use the momentum from falling to fly? Because when you fall, if you feel bad about yourself, and you feel bad about the choices you've made, and you feel bad about the results and the consequences you're living with, and you say, I could do better. I will do better. I deserve better. I'm capable of better. I want better. I want a better life and a different life and a capable life. We had an unbelievable program last night. Tremendous program. The courage of the Foreman family, his daughter Alana was a uh, addict, struggled with the illness of addiction and went to rehab. And for the very first time, she sat on a panel with her parents and her brother to share her experience of addiction and recovery. And the parents shared their experience with her addiction and recovery, and her brother shared his experience growing up as a sibling with absentee parents who were focused on their sister with addiction and recovery. And you can watch it online, and it'll be an incredibly valuable hour you will spend to be inspired, to learn, to be educated, to listen to their experience. But she spoke about, she spoke about her failure in rehab, how many times it took before she finally, and how she was unable to continue in college. It was was kicked out of her program, but today is in an Ivy League graduate school, master's studying about addiction and how recovering has changed her life for the better. She said, you know, when you start, when you start recovery in the 12-step program, they talk about, what do they talk about? You could live a better life than you ever dreamt of. I forgot exactly what she described as the, uh, a life beyond your wildest dreams. 
She said when she heard that over and over again, the mantra, a life beyond your wildest dreams, if you live with sobriety, cheesy and corny and what does it even mean? And she said that when she, when she had a car on a roof, she's like, wow, this is a life beyond my wildest dreams. My parents are talking to me, I have a car and I'm sober. And then she now found herself in an Ivy Garden and she described all the things she's living with that, wow, each of these things now is beyond my wildest dreams. And her parents said at the end of the panel, also something, it wasn't really prompted by a question. They volunteered it. They said, as painful as the episode was, the period of their life was, as painful as it still is to worry about will you ever get a phone call. As painful as it was, their family is closer than they've ever been. They've grown, they learned about themselves more than they ever knew. And they're so much better for it. So again, would they welcome it? Would they invite everyone to experience it? No, but they used that fall to build momentum to fly. She did in her life, and they as a family did in their lives. And that's what we could do with Yimei Katnas. Hakatnas miromemes. Katnas. Sashem, you know what? If we wake up and sober up to the fact that I'm living a life without you, I don't know where you are, I'm not giving you credit, I'm not turning to you, I'm not confiding in you, I'm not surrendering to you, I'm not relying on you, I'm not being supported by you, I'm just living my life, I'm consumed with myself, I'm letting my ego get in the way and I'm edging you out and I don't like that life. I want a life beyond my wildest dreams with you, with you, where I wake up confident in the day because I know you're by my side. I want a life beyond my wildest dreams where I don't have to be jealous or envious of what anyone else has because whatever I have is what I'm meant to have because it comes from you. I want a life beyond my wildest dreams that I know that you created me not randomly, but you have a mission and a purpose and I make a difference in this world. I want a life beyond my wildest dreams because you're in it and we're close and I feel your presence every day. That's what can happen, be made katniss. It doesn't happen, be made godless. When we're just coasting through life and we make it to shul and we do our davening and we sing our songs and we have our Shabbos, then we don't feel that longing and that yearning. We don't dream about the wife be it life beyond our wildest dreams. We don't use the momentum of falling to fly because we're already coasting. We don't need to soar. We don't go higher and higher. But that's what katnas can create if only we allow it to. Now there are addicts who spiral down and who never actually turn it around in recovery. That katnas, they just keep spiraling downward and downward. And by the way, there are people who soar and they fall again. And like the bat every night sleeps the same way and lets go and uses the momentum again over and over again to fly again and again. We can and we should. We're not perfect and we will have ups and downs. And it will be a roller coaster ride, which is just evidence that we're alive. We're not flatlined because we're going up and down. Our life is going up and down. But katnas doesn't have to be a bad thing. We started this because, again, the conversation was, Okay, live with them, Muna, that's all fine and well, that's all great when you feel him, when you're connected with him. But how do you live with it when he seems absentee? Ki imadam zoch, I'm coming to you one second. Imadam zoch aladash Hashem yizborach atzma nimtza kanu mistater, umevin she'inli biladav klum, bezoik umespalal azeh, azai bezeh uzoch aladash Hashem yizborach, bitsura amuka ma'od. If a person knows that Hashem is there, he's hidden, but you can find him, and you cry out and you call out to him, and you say, enough, enough. They talked last night to foremans. Despite the intervention, despite the efforts they made to help their daughter, she rebuffed and she rejected. She didn't want any of them, but she found herself standing on a subway platform. And she decided to herself, she said, she shared last night, uh, even though I'm telling you all this, it's still worth watching because it's barely scratching the surface of what she shared. Those who were there last night will tell you. But she said to herself, I can't live like this anymore. Always high and chasing the next high and being addicted. So either I'm going to get help or I'm going to jump, jump off this platform. I can't live like this anymore. 
And she said that while she felt that feeling, she texted her parents, I'm a drug addict and I need help. And her next phone call to them was from the tarmac going to Florida, going to rehab. Because we live in the capital of rehab in the country, maybe the world. It was amazing. That's what she decided. That's what she arrived at. And that's what Ravitra Meyer is saying. We could all arrive at spiritually. I'm so sick and tired of living like this. I can't live this way anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to live a life beyond my wildest dreams with you, Hashem. I'm making the phone call. Send a text to him. I don't know what to put in as the phone number, but send him a text and say to him, I'm done and I'm sick and I'm tired of living like this. I want to live beyond my wildest dreams with you. I want to feel you and talk to you and love you and confide in you and surrender to you. What do I need to do? I'm ready. I'm ready. And he'll write back, go to the Amunashir. <laughs> we can live that life beyond that. We have to take the step. We have to take the first step. He can do as many interventions. By the way, he does interventions in our life every day. Yes. Our life is filled with his waving at us. Hi, I'm here. Hey, hi. You know the little coincidence? You know the thing that worked out that shouldn't have? You know the thing that should have worked out but didn't? They're all his waving. Hi, hey, trying to get your attention. I'm here. Intervention. Running an intervention. You're spiraling. You're slipping. You're falling. I'm trying to run an intervention. I'm trying to get you to turn around. But just like with the addict, we are addicted to our ego or our lives, or we're addicted to our distance from him. And the intervention doesn't work until, until we're ready, until we're open, until we're ready to make that decision and take that leap and take that step and enter into a life of in-treatment, out-treatment, whatever spiritually we need, whatever we need in order to turn around to feel him. And we can have that life. We can have a life that is beyond our wildest dreams, yes. Right, absolutely, the rock bottom. And when you hit the rock bottom, you could crash and burn, or you hit the rock bottom, it could be a trampoline that you bounce. And when you bounce, the higher you jump from, the, 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 the greater the distance of the fall onto a trampoline, the bigger the bounce that you'll experience afterwards, if what you land on enables you to bounce. If what you will land on crushes you, then you won't bounce from it. So from that rock bottom and from that trampoline, you can have a bounce which allows you to experience and achieve a godless beyond your wildest dreams. Which is built on the principles of faith which are so deep, which are so deep. Now you almost feel bad if you're, you make godless. It's not as good as you make katnas. But don't. Our lives are filled with that godless and katnas. I feel close and connected and it's wonderful. I fell away and I'm distant. How do I use that to build momentum to then fly and soar again? I'm flying and I'm soaring, but now I just started to coast and descend. How do I find them? That's our life. That yin and that yang, that forward and back, panam va'achor, katlas and gadnas. That is our life of doing that. But it's all a different paradigm. It's a different perspective on it. It's how we can use it in order to soar. That's what we acquire that's inside ourselves. That's the knowledge we can arrive at and the life we can live with to know that He's there beyond anything else. Beyond anything else. We can achieve an attachment to Him. What's Dvekas? Devek. What's Devek? Glue. You know what Dvekas is? Glue yourself to God. Glue yourself to Him. And He glues Himself to us. 
He's got our back, Devek. Devek is, at no point of life should you be separated from him. Oh God, I'm going on vacation. I'll see you when I get back. Oh God, I talked to you in shul, but now I'm going for the things that I enjoy doing. I'll see you again later. Oh God, I guess this is up to me. I have to navigate it and overcome it, and I have to succeed in it. Or, oh God, I guess this is my fault that happened. You never separate yourself from God. Dveikus is Devek. Dveikus is Devek, is gluing yourself to a Dveikus. So why do you have that Dveikus? Why are we glued to God? Why is He part of every experience and every conversation and every moment of our life? Why? Because, not because of a feeling. If I'm only connected and glued to God when it feels good, when I go to the Happy Minion on Friday night, when I experience this amazing coincidence of Amuna, then when I don't feel it, I'm no longer going to be glued to Him. But that's not a real dvekas. That's not authentic and genuine. That's not real. What's the real dvekas? It's not tliya bahar gasha. It doesn't depend on a feeling. Mitoch yediya bihira. It comes from a very clear understanding. Shashem is baruch tamin nimtza. I know he's always found. I know he's always there. I know he's always glued to me. He's stuck on me, stuck with me. We're stuck together. I know we're always partnered and together. And therefore, when I feel it, it's wonderful. But even when I don't, it's still there. Are you married even when you don't feel love and romance? It's great when you're madly in love and romantic and energy and incredible and electric and fantastic. Then the hargushes with the dvekas, the marriage is, is amplified by the feeling of love. But even when you're in a fight or there's some tension, none of you, none of us, when one is tension, one is conflict, one is a fight, when there's a struggle, there's distance, you don't have the hargush, you don't have the feeling in that moment, but are you still having dvekas? Are you still married? Are you still basar echad? Absolutely. And the same is true with Hashem. It is a status, it is an identity. It's part of what defines us, our connection with Him, His presence in our lives, that is not dependent on any hargasha that we have. That we have. We lost last night. I'm sorry to tell you at this time or in this way, but Carolyn Jarasha passed away last night. She's going to be buried in Israel. We'll, we'll share the funeral information as soon as we have it. And I don't tell you that to, to, to bring you down or to communicate that sadness. But she was such a person, I think she deserves. It makes me sad that we won't be able to, we'll have a memorial at some point, but the family is going to get her to Eretz Yisrael, where she'll be buried Harmanuchos next to her wonderful husband, Rabbi Jarasha, of blessed memory. But, but Carolyn was such a person who lived with this Tvekas, Behira. She was a, such a Lebedek, such a spiritual person. She was such a soulful person. She like lived, we, we occupied the same globe, the same planet, but she was living in another world. She felt Hashem, she saw Hashem, she meditated with Hashem, she did yoga with Hashem, she practiced all kinds of uh, practices with Hashem, she sang with Hashem, she was, what a soulful, spiritual person. When you were talking about Hashem, you were talking about Him. When she was talking about Hashem, she was experiencing Hashem. She was talking about her best friend. She was talking about somebody who was standing right in front of her. She was really, she was very extraordinary in this way. And she didn't always live that life. I don't know if you know. Rabbi Jarasha was a Reconstructionist rabbi. A practicing Reconstructionist rabbi who had an epiphany and awakening that, nah, there's something more. And they became Bali Tshuva. Yes. They became Orthodox. Shomri Toru Mitzvos. I first met them. I was in New York. I was living in Boca in the Kola, but I was in New York in the summer. And I was, believe it or not, before Rabbi Brody, there was outreach being done here. I was outreach rabbi in the Kolel, the original Kolel here. And I, I went to go meet at Enjap. Rabbi Jarasha was working at Enjap for Rabbi Buchwald. He, was an, he, he had given up his career as a Reconstructionist rabbi at a congregation. 
Like an Avram Avinu who looked in the mirror at an advanced stage and said, nah, this isn't truth. There's something more true. And I'll give up everything I have to start again, the lowest rung on the ladder, because something is more true. Like, wow. To know people like that, wow. That's what he did. And I met him, he was working at Enjap, trying to bring other people to that truth, and they retired and they were living down here. And they lived, no longer professionally, but just in practice, who they were. Rabbi Jarashah, Colonel of Racha, and Carolyn Jarashah, that's who she was. The last time I used to go to the mikveh every Arab Shabbos, the last time I saw Rabbi Jarashah, before he had, a, he had a massive stroke, that unfortunately left him very compromised, was at the mikveh, and the last conversation we had where he could speak clearly was, we need to promote mikveh more for men. They don't appreciate how spiritual and important this is for men. And then that next week he had a stroke and um, he was severely compromised and she was dedicated the way she took care of him. Wow. But what Ravitcha Meyer is describing, what we're learning and what we're living is, is how she lived. It's who she was. She was a guest at your Shabbos table. She shared her Divrei Torah and her light and her energy, very into energy, positive energy and spiritual energy and, and Hashem energy. And that, that's, that's who she was, and her loss is, is great and painful, and we wish her beautiful family, tremendous nechama and strength in this difficult time. They should find comfort in our community. And again, I, I share, this is in the context to share bad news like that. We'll send the email out as soon as we have more information about the Levi and the Kvura. But I share it because these profiles in Amuna are what, are what help us grow, are what help us grow. Profiles in Amuna. When you feel down, when you feel out, when you don't feel connected, read a profile in Amuna. Speak to somebody who is a profile in Amuna, if you can. Find them, latch onto them, talk to them. Energy is contagious. Amuna is contagious. Amuna is contagious. If Corona is contagious, Amuna is a billion times more contagious. And don't wear a mask and don't distance, but attach yourself to the people who are profiles of Amuna. Attach yourself because it's contagious. And if you can't find someone and live and talk, connect with them, then read about and watch about because that's, that's an amazing way to be inspired and grow in our, in our emuna. So, Neshama Sharev and Aliyah will pick up one more week of, uh, maybe a little more than one more week of this katnas, but turning this around and growing, uh, and growing from it. Pick up with uh, Mir Tzashem next week. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Please stay behind. We're going to continue to say Tehillim, Chaya Estotila Bas Ariel Tzipora. Tonight, Yocheva joins me, special co-host behind the Bima, Allison Josephs of uh, Jew in the City, Makor, Tikkun, and, and the third branch. Tonight at 9 p.m. Until next time.